As you can tell, I don't have a headset mic on today, uh, which means that, uh, man, I'm not going to be uh, preaching, but, uh, man, I'm excited. One, and I wanted to say this before we looked at anything, is that, man, y'all really sang today. Good job, right? Like, I even just stopped and just listened. Uh, yeah, uh, and so, man, uh, it's always just good to hear God's people sing. Um, but secondly, I just want to say that, man, uh, we talk about this a lot, uh, whether it's in basics class or just, uh, man, just as a church, is that, man, uh, we are a church uh, that's a part of a, a thing called Redeemer Network. Uh, and Redeemer Network's heart uh, is to plant churches, uh, particularly in Texas. Uh, we've got some in, in New Mexico. Uh, and, uh, man, we uh, are excited to see when churches get to be planted. But also, one of the things that's really exciting is we get to partner with that. So we give financially, we give, uh, you, start, you know, in, in prayer and support. Uh, but, uh, man, the other cool thing is we get to have guys that come in, and, man, they get to share the word with us. Uh, they, I love just the, the camaraderie and the connection that we have in this network. And so uh, this morning, what I want to do is uh, I'm going to introduce... Uh, Zach Tharp. Uh, Zach, if you want to come forward, uh, we'll introduce the rest of his family. Uh, at the end of our time today, we're going to pray over him. But, uh, so Zach Tharp, uh, I've gotten to know over the last year or so. Uh, but he and his wife Kimbra, their two kiddos, uh, Isla, who's 13, and Glory Grace is four. I believe she's in CK. They said that she was a social butterfly. And she's she gone. Yeah. Right in. Uh, and so, she's uh, yours now. She's, I think she's, yeah. Okay, good. <laughs> so, uh, yeah, so Zach, uh, and he has a, a long history in ministry. Uh, he was in the Air Force as a religious program specialist. Navy. Uh, Navy, sorry, sorry. Should have been Air Force though. Air Force would have been, Air Force, I, I don't really care that much. Air Force would have been better. Okay, okay. <laughs> I just didn't want Kyle to lie up here yeah, at a church. I don't want to lie. I don't want to lie. Uh, man, but he, uh, pursued a career in radio and sports radio following his time in the military. Uh, he's worked as a news director, sports director, and provided play-by-play and color commentary for Texas high schools and universities, which is just, man, an absolute dream of mine. I would love to have that kind of voice. Uh, but uh, his ministry background, uh, he uh, was an associate and youth pastor at First Baptist Church of Banks. Uh, First Baptist Church Alice, he was the senior pastor there. He worked at Redeemer Midland, which is also part of our network for a bit of time. Uh, but here recently... Uh, they have moved, uh, they're going to be moving to Brownwood. Currently, you're in Brady, Texas with Redeemer Brady. He's going through the church printing residency uh, through Redeemer Network, but their, uh, their heart and goal is to plant a church in Brownwood, Texas, which for me uh, is a really significant place in my life. I was telling him as we uh, started to pray uh, this morning, uh, man, Brownwood is where, man, I came to know Jesus at Super Summer at Howard Payne University. Uh, Super Summer has meant has two huge things in my life. One, I got saved. Two, I met my future wife Haley uh, at Super Summer. Uh, and so, uh, yeah, we are grateful and glad uh, to have Zach here to share from Second Thessalonians. Uh, again, they're going to be planting in Brownwood in late 2024 or early 2025. Uh, his wife Kimra is from that area. And so, what I'm going to do is I'm going to pray for you, Zach, and then you can jump into the time of the word. Uh, Jesus, we thank you. Uh, God, for your church again. Uh, Lord, we thank you that, uh, that the fulfillment of Acts 1 8, uh, that, that we are to be your witnesses in Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, to the ends of the earth. And so uh, I thank you for Zach uh, and Kimber and their heart uh, to heed that call uh, to go to Brownwood and plant. And Lord, I'm, I'm just grateful that we get to walk with them, uh, that we get to be a part of this journey in prayer and support and 
Uh, Lord, I pray for him now uh, as he shares your word with us that you would speak to him in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Thank you, Kyle. All right, if you have a Bible, you can turn it to 2 Thessalonians chapter 3. 2 Thessalonians chapter 3 is where we are going to be today, looking at the first five verses. 2 Thessalonians 3, and the first five verses is where we will be looking. This is... Paul writing under the heading, pray for us. Finally, brothers, pray for us that the word of the Lord may speed ahead and be honored as happened among you, and that we may be delivered from wicked and evil men. For not all have faith, but the Lord is faithful. He will establish you and guard you against the evil one. And we have confidence in the Lord about you, that you are doing and will do the things that we command. May the Lord direct your hearts to the love of God and to the steadfastness of Christ. As I was reading and studying this passage this week, I was struck by something that Paul does here, that he does quite a bit of, that I think is a little bit harder for us in the day and the age that we live in. And I was thinking about... Things that we should do more often, but we don't do. Now, whether it's because we procrastinate or whether it's because we get busy with other things, I was thinking about all the things that we should do more often, but we just don't do them. And this will be kind of interactive today, so y'all feel free to throw some things out as we're thinking about these. I was looking up a list, and here are some things I found. So things we should do, but for some reason we don't do them. Uh, eat better. Anybody like to have that as a New Year's resolution, like you're trying to eat better? Uh, I, one of my first interactions with, with Kyle was at the Redeemer Network pastors retreat a couple of years ago. And we used to like get together all the Redeemer Network pastors and church planting residents. And we'd spend a couple of days in Brady and it was amazing. And I think the first thing I saw Kyle doing, and I don't know like where he learned this from, but I go on this back porch and Kyle is just like taking pizza dough and spinning it into the air. And he's making the most delicious pizza. Does he do this at home? Does he make pizza for y'all? This is incredible. So we're talking about like, you should eat better. I see Kyle just making these amazing pizzas. I kid you not. And he didn't charge us for these. It was the most delicious pizza I've ever had. So first I want to say, Kyle, thank you for that. That was my first interaction with him. So things we should do, but maybe we don't do them. So start exercising. That's one. Eat better exercise. That goes together. Save money. You know, there, there's always pressure. you got to save money. That's hard today because things are really expensive. Uh, get a dental checkup. How, like anybody been to the dentist in the last year? Of course you haven't. Yeah, because like you take your kids, but you, it's been a while since you've been. Uh, spend less time on social media and more time with humans. Anybody have that? Like that's something you should do. Uh, I had to have my wife set a, a screen time limit. Usually screen time limits are for kids, uh, but I, I needed one for myself because I would just waste all my time on Facebook if you would let me. So my wife set a, a, a screen time limit for me, and I can only look at Facebook 15 minutes a day. So usually that ends up happening from like midnight to 12.15. I get my 15 minutes in, and then I'm done because I, I'll just waste my time on there. Uh, what else should we do that we don't do? Clean our room. Like your kid, yes, yes, your kids to clean your room. Anybody clean their room recently? Dust. This the last time anybody dusted. And you see that stuff that builds up on your fan? Like, that, I mean, it's just, it's terrible, right? Back up your computer files. I don't know how to do that, so my 13-year-old is going to show me how to do that someday. Uh, clean out your email. I want you to take out your phone right now and see, can anybody beat this? It shows like how many emails you have, and I don't know how to delete them. So my four-year-old will show me how to do that. How many, how many do you have? 
12,100. 15,000. It's like an auction. Like, anybody got more? Anybody got more? I thought I was going to win. I got 7,397. I don't know how to delete them. I don't know who's sending them to me. I'm not so important that I should be emailing people. I don't send emails, but I get them. So was 12,000 our winner? I'm sorry, 15. What's your name, ma'am? Laura. Laura. Round of applause for Laura. I think Laura won. Oh, oh, she's got one back here. Around 300,000? Are you serious? Dude, my, yes. All right, that's it. We are done. Thank you, Jesus. We can all go eat barbecue now. That's the sermon. That's it. Things we should do that we don't do enough. Uh, clean out the fridge or the freezer. Anybody done that recently? Clean your refrigerator or freezer? Here's something nobody's done because you all have kids. Sleep exactly eight hours. When's the last time you slept eight hours uninterrupted? Ever? Not, not since you've had kids. All right, this one's the, the scariest one. Something we should do, we don't do. Vacuum under the couch. You know, yeah, maybe you have a little robo, little robo vacuum. Maybe he or she does that for you. Here's another one. I got a couple more. Stay informed about world events. Man, there's like so much happening in the world. It is hard to just take it all in and remember all of it. And so, you know, I'm going to be honest. Like at this point, I don't know the, I don't know the big deal about like fracking and pipelines, but the people I know are so passionate about it that I feel like I need to be passionate about it. So if you can tell me if I should be in support of these pipelines or against it, I'll go either way. I just need a passionate response when people come to me and want to know about pipelines because I don't know what I should say. Okay, I got three more. Visit your grandparents. That's a good one. Iron. It was the last time anybody ironed. You don't need to iron anymore because you have a dryer. You just throw it in there. Ten minutes, a couple of ice cubes or a wet towel, you're good. Fold, last one, fold fitted sheets properly. Anybody, you just wad them up, right? I feel like these last two, though, I feel like a little hack here. You take those last two, the folding, the fitted sheets, and the ironing, you go visit your grandparents, you let them do those things for you. I think those are things our grandparents did. So anyway, okay, so things we should do that we don't do. What I'm struck by in this passage here that Paul does that I don't do nearly enough, and you may not, Paul had no problem asking people to pray for him. You see what he says here? He says, finally, brothers, pray for us that the word of the Lord may speed ahead and be honored as happened among you. And pray for us that we may be delivered from wicked and evil men, for not all people have faith. Paul, all the time, was asking people to pray for him. He would pray for opportunities to preach the gospel. He would pray for boldness when he did share the gospel. He would pray against evil that he'd be delivered out of these situations, but it was never so, it was never self-preservation. It was never about Paul wanting to, hey, I just want to live longer. Would you pray for me that I'd be protected in this? No, no, no. Paul didn't value his own life because you remember in Philippians, he's talking about what's better to like depart and be with Christ or to stay here for you. I think y'all need me here more. And so I'm going to, I would determined to be with you guys, but Paul didn't value his own life. He's praying that he could be delivered from these instances so he could have more opportunities to share the gospel. And in doing so, more people are coming to salvation. More people are hearing about Jesus. And so he's praying for these things. He had no problem praying, asking people to pray for him. In this second letter to the Thessalonians, Paul's trying to accomplish a couple of things. What has happened with the first letter to the Thessalonians is they've misinterpreted what Paul was saying about the return of Jesus. And so 
by the time Second Thessalonians, he writes the second letter, persecution has intensified. And they're thinking, well, surely after this first letter, this means Jesus is coming back really soon. And so Paul writes this letter to clear up that confusion, that just because persecution is intensifying, that it doesn't mean Jesus is returning like right now. Isn't it good to know that a couple thousand years ago, people were still taking like like holy writings and being like, look, this means he's coming back right now. Because we live in that world, right? Like we put up billboards. There was a book written in 1988, 88 reasons Jesus is coming back in 88. Sold like millions of copies, I kid you not. Did he come back in 88? He did not. So what does the author do? 89 reasons Jesus is coming back in 89. And they, he, this guy did this for like seven years and people just kept, I mean, money, 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 right? Like he just kept bringing that message. Jesus is coming back. So Paul's writing this letter to clear up these things. He's warning them next week. If y'all are getting into the, the next few verses, Paul is going to warn them against idleness. A lot of these people, since they thought Jesus was coming back soon, they thought, Hey, I don't have to work anymore. So you'll hear about that in the next week or two. And so Paul, he's warning them. He's encouraging them. Last week you heard a message. They need to stand firm, stand firm and remember and honor the things that Paul has taught them and his team had taught them. Keep obeying them, stand firm. And in the midst of this encouraging, exhorting, warning, Paul stops here and he says, pray for us. Pray for us that the word of the Lord would speed ahead. The word there is run. The word would run ahead and be honored as happened among you. And the Lord in his sovereignty would have our family to be here today to get to preach this text. Because this is exactly where our family is right now. We are two and a half years into this call to plant a church in Brownwood. And we get to come here and be, a, and be, a, be with Center Church, be with y'all today. And that's our prayer, that the word of the Lord would run ahead in Brownwood, that it would be honored there as happened among you. I mean, you can look around these pews behind you and in front of you, left and right. You see, you've seen this over the last nine years or so, how the word of the Lord has been honored how God has done some amazing things in this church, in these people, through these people. And you can't explain it by human means. If you can explain something, it usually means God's not in it. And I had no doubt that if we were to go family to family, pew by pew, we could hear stories over how God has impacted you these last nine, ten years, being a part of this church and the ministry that's happening here in Brenham. We'd have story after story of God's faithfulness. And so Paul says... Would you pray for us? Pray that the word of the Lord would be honored. Do you remember what it was like when the Lord first called you? Your testimony. It's a word we say, right? Like when God saved you, he brought you into his family. He brought you in to be a part of this church family. If we're not careful, there are things that that we can let get into our lives and in the lives of the church where we kind of, we kind of forget. We kind of forget what God's done for us. I would encourage you, remember, remember God's faithfulness to you. Remember God's faithfulness to this local body of believers. Next, Paul asked for prayer that they would be delivered from wicked and evil men. This shows us that no matter where the gospel is preached, even in Texas, even in Brenham, Texas, even in the, the Bible Belt and what might be considered the belt buckle of the Bible Belt, there are opponents to the gospel wherever you go. 
There are opponents to the gospel in Brenham, Texas. Y'all have likely encountered these people. You have likely encountered attacks from the outside. You have likely encountered attacks from the inside. Because Satan loves to use people inside the church when we take our eyes off of Jesus and we start worrying about worldly things. We want a little bit of power of our own, a little bit of authority of our own. And so Satan can use us to deceive, sow seeds of discord. And all of a sudden, these attacks from within the church feel a lot worse than the attacks that were coming maybe from outside of the church. And so Paul asks, pray about these things. It seems so easy for Paul to ask others for prayer. He did it often. He asked for people to pray that he'd have opportunities to preach the gospel for boldness, for clarity, for deliverance from these evil people. But what about you? What about me? When was the last time you went to someone and said, hey, would you, would you pray for me about this? Here's a struggle that I have. Here's, here's something we're going through. And I just, I need you to pray for me. When's the last time that you did that? We don't find it nearly as easy to reach out to others with our needs. What are some of the reasons that we don't reach out to people? What are some of the reasons we kind of keep things to ourselves and we would not invite someone in, maybe to our pain, our suffering, our burden? What are some of the reasons we, we wouldn't reach out? One would be pride. Man, you think about all the, the things that are in our life, our background, that build this foundation of pride in us one we like let's just start here and we'd say we're americans american pride right like man i'm an american i do things myself maybe it was your family man i'm a this i'm a tharp i'm an ogle i'm a johnson i'm a smith i'm a a whoever and we were taught man we got a lot of family pride we do things ourselves. we're standing in an old baptist church and i can say this because as a former baptist Man, there's a lot of pride, not just in the Baptist church. There's pride across different denominations, your religious background, whether it's something in the Protestant area, whether that was uh, Roman Catholic, whether it was like Church of Christ, Presbyterian, Methodist, Baptist, Episcopal. It doesn't matter denomination. There's pride across all of those things. We have pr- there's pride in being non-denominational. Hey, we don't associate with anything. We're our own people. And we're doing it in Texas, in a Baptist church. This is the most pride anyone could have, right here, being in this building. Like, come on now. Yes, yes. So that might be one reason we don't go to people. Hey, would you pray for me? We got a lot of pride. It's hard, it, it's hard to tear that down. The Lord has to tear that down. In October of 2014, I was working in, as a youth minister, and I went to this youth ministry conference in Arlington. And it was called Conclave. It's an amazing, amazing conference for youth ministers. And Ed Newton was a speaker. Uh, Ed is currently the, the lead pastor at Community Bible Church in San Antonio. He's a great communicator of God's word. Um, he's the speaker. And they do this thing, if you've been to these conferences, where at some point he's kind of like addressing the whole group. And hey, if you're, hey, if you're going through a hard time right now, if you're feeling burned out in youth ministry, if you're, you know, if you're, if you're struggling, would you just raise your hand? And I don't raise my hands at these things. One, because all the pride I just told you about, like this is, like, I'm not raising my hand for nothing. I don't, nobody's going to come pray for me. I'm not sharing my business with nobody, right? But the Holy Spirit shot my arm up and I know it was the Holy Spirit because I tried to bring it down and I couldn't. And it's like me and a few other people with our arms up. And I'm like, what am I, I'm, what am I doing? What, I don't, I'm, I'm good, I'm good, I'm good. And, and Ed from the stage, he says, now those of you around 
Look, look around. If you see someone with their hand up, I want you to go and pray for them. And I put my arm down finally. The Holy Spirit let me. And this guy and his wife came over. Uh, Cliff and Amber Holdridge came over. And he asked, like, hey, what's going on? How can I pray for you? And, man, I just, like, let it all, I'd be, like, keeping it all in. And I just, like, all these struggles and these burdens. Like, here's what we're going through. Here's stuff in our family. Here's stuff in the church. Here's what we're dealing with. Here's what we're trying. All these things. And what the Lord did, because I didn't put my arm up. The Lord did it. What the Lord did in that moment over ten years ago was brought me one of the best friends that I've had of my life. Because Cliff and I, since that day, Cliff has been one of my best friends. And it's interesting how the Lord kind of connected our paths together. Because we were both in youth ministry at the time. But then uh, we had opportunities to serve as senior pastors at two different places. So, like, we both interviewed for separate jobs on the same day. We both preached in view of a call on the same day. And we both started our first Sundays as senior pastors on the same day. And the Lord just kind of connected us. But that's what the Lord did. But I, w- I didn't want to raise my hand because of pride. What's another reason we may not ask people to pray for us? This is another struggle of mine. Fear of man. You might know it as like people pleasing. We worry more about what other people will think of us than what God thinks of us. We think, man, if I, if I shared this with someone or if I asked someone to pray about this for me, man, I couldn't show my face at church anymore. I couldn't come to our missional community anymore. People, I would be run out. What would they think of me if they knew this? And I, I, I sympathize with you. I understand that thought process. But we have a God who loves us so much that he gave his only son for us that we might be adopted into his family. And we don't have to have this identity of worrying about what other people think of us now because now we are sons and daughters of God and God's opinion of you, God's opinion of me, is the only thing that matters in this life and in the life to come. What people think about you has no bearing in eternity. And when we let it control us now, we miss out on the blessing and following Scripture to share our burdens with others and have other people pray for us. Some of us might doubt God's power. I don't, I don't want to ask anybody to pray for me about this because I don't even know that God could turn it around. We might doubt God's care. I don't, I don't really think God cares for me, so I'm not even going to share this. Another reason is we might think that God has bigger problems to deal with. Has this ever been you? That you think, well, my stuff seems kind of small and other people's problems are a lot bigger, so I'm not going to ask them to pray for me. This view kind of misunderstands One, God's power to provide and change circumstances. It also misunderstands his his capacity to hear your prayer, to answer your prayer, to deliver you from what's going on. And also, when God looks at us, it's not any harder for him to help your, your financial situation and your marriage as it is to heal someone of cancer where a doctor told them they weren't going to live very long. This makes sense. Like, it's not harder for God to do one of those things. We might have like this list of things, like these things are really hard for God to do. Like, this won't happen. But here's some low-level things I think God can do these things. Sometimes if we, we don't understand how God works, his power to provide and do these things, God is not limited by anything. He, he can take your prayer request. He can hear you. 
And when you ask other people to pray for you, God can hear that. He can answer that if it's according to his will. And you lifting up another prayer to him or asking someone to pray for you, we shouldn't be thinking like, oh, it's, man, other people's problems are bigger. This isn't, this isn't that big a deal. But those are some of the reasons that we might not ask people to pray for us. Paul readily did it. Paul was always asking people to pray for him. So where are we to turn when our pride, our fear of man, our doubt, our doubt of God's care, our distrust of God's power, what are we to do in our fallen condition when these things keep us from sharing our lives with others and keep us from asking others to pray for us? Where do we turn? We turn to Jesus. We turn to Jesus in the garden praying before he would go to the cross. And I was standing here earlier. I was looking up there. Jesus praying in the garden of Gethsemane. Matthew 26, 38 and 39. He's with his disciples. He told them, my soul is crushed with grief to the point of death. Stay here and keep watch with me. He went on a little farther and bowed with his face to the ground praying. My father, if it is possible, let this cup of suffering be taken away from me. Yet I want your will to be done and not mine. The reason that we can go to others and ask them to pray for us, the reason that God can hear our prayers, that God listens to our prayers, that God wants to hear from you and wants you to share your burden with others, the reason that God can grant our prayers, answer them, is because he denied the prayer of his son in the garden. Jesus became the one who would have his prayer unanswered so that God could answer our prayers. God treated his son in the garden like he should have treated us so that he could treat us how he should have treated his son. And because of Jesus's obedience, because of his death on the cross, his resurrection, his ascension, and one day second coming. You and I have now been adopted into the family of God, sons and daughters of God. And one of the awesome privileges that we have now is to share our burdens with one another. So what if you're the person who is prideful? If that's you, where I don't, man, I don't share my stuff with other people. Pride is an issue. Look to Jesus, who humbled himself to the point of death, even death on a cross. Remember what the word says about pride. Proverbs 11, 2 says, pride leads to disgrace, but with humility comes wisdom. Maybe you're the person that struggles like me with people pleasing or fear of man. If I share this, what are they going to think about me? We need to understand our identity as a son or daughter of God, an identity that was purchased for us on the cross. We have no need to worry about what others may think about us because we have a heavenly father who loves us. We should remember the word, Proverbs 29, 25. Fearing people is a dangerous trap, but trusting the Lord means safety. Maybe you're a person in here, you go, I don't, you know, is God really all powerful? I would again direct you to the word, Jeremiah 32, 17 through 20. O sovereign Lord, you made the heavens and earth by your strong hand and powerful arm. Nothing is too hard for you. 
You show unfailing love to thousands, but you also bring the consequences of one generation's sin upon the next. You are the great and powerful God, the Lord of heaven's armies. You have all wisdom and do great and mighty miracles. You see the conduct of all people and you give them what they deserve. God, you perform miraculous signs and wonders in the land of Egypt, things still remembered to this day. And you have continued to do great miracles in Israel and all around the world. You have made your name famous to this day. Our God is powerful. Amen. Maybe you're the person that doubts God's care. You think, no, I see how God has cared for others, but I struggle to see it in my own life. I don't know that God cares for me as an individual. Remember that this God, our God, is the one who has his eyes on the sparrow. Matthew six twenty six. Look at the birds. They don't plant or harvest or store food in barns, for your heavenly Father feeds them. And aren't you far more valuable to him than they are? Yes. Someone might need to hear that. You are more valuable than the birds of the air that God also takes care of and provides for. God cares for you and God loves you. Maybe you worry that God has bigger issues to deal with and yours is just one more and it's not going to, it's not going to make a difference. Psalm 55, 22 says, give your burdens to the Lord and he will take care of you. He will not permit the godly to slip and fall. And yet there may be other people in here that go, yeah, I believe in God's power and I believe that God cares for me. And, you know, it's not really pride that's an issue for me. And it's not really fear of man or what people would think. But for you, it might be a life that you live in isolation for any number of reasons. You may go, Zach, I don't, I don't have people I can go to. I don't have someone to ask to pray for me. For you, I would say, look around in this, this room right now. And there are so many wonderful ministries uh, that are a part of Center Church. I was, I was doing some research just kind of looking at your website. And I love your missional communities. And I want to read this, for the, especially for that person who might say, man, I'm in isolation and I don't really have anybody around me. Join a missional community. I want to share this with you. This is from your website, so you should know it. A missional community is a family of servant missionaries committed to growing as disciples and making new disciples. Missional communities are small groups of people from or acquainted with Center Church Brenham who are learning to live out their identity in Christ by loving one another like family, growing in service to Jesus and others, and being sent out by the Holy Spirit to show and share the gospel with those who are far from him. Somebody in here might need to be a part of a group That's going to treat them like a family because maybe you have no family to speak of. Maybe you're disconnected from your family for one reason or another. Maybe your existence right now is isolation and you just want help and you want to be a part of something. One of these missional communities could bring you in, love you where you are. You could share your burdens with them. They're going to share their burdens with you. If you're not a part of a group like this, I would strongly encourage you. This, this is the lifeblood of the church, these groups like this. Because even in a church of 100 people or 200 people, you could be the person that comes in late on Sunday morning, sit in the back, leave early, and you could do that for 10, 20, 30 years, and nobody ever really gets to know you, and you don't ever really get to know anyone. 
But you join one of these missional communities, and now that church of 100 or 200 is 10, you know, 20 groups of 10 or something like that. That's where you share life together. That's, man, that's where the gospel can really take root. All these one another commands we see in the New Testament, love one another, encourage one another, build one another up, uh, share your burdens with one another. That's where the, that's where that happens. That's where the, that happens. Paul closes this section in verse 5. He says, May the Lord direct your hearts to the love of God and to the steadfastness of Christ. It is only when when we direct our hearts to the love of God and we fix our eyes on Jesus that we can become the type of people that are comfortable sharing our burdens with others and asking others to pray for us. Now, what would happen if this church... If more and more people began to really live like this, if more and more people here today began to believe that, you know what, I'm going to pray to drop my pride. I'm going to ask God to kill any pride in me. I'm going to ask God to kill any fear of man, doubt of his power, doubt of his care, doubt that others care for me. God, would you kill all of that in me? And I want to become a person that just lives my life vulnerable, open, honest before others and invites them into my life, invites them into my struggles, invites them into my sin, my suffering, my guilt, my shame. Because when you do that, the light can shine. Jesus can work in those situations. What might happen in your home? What might happen in your homes where we're raising kids, grandparents, you've got your grandkids. What if you became the type of people that invited others to pray for you and shared your struggles like that? What kind of legacy might you leave for your kids and your grandkids one day? Maybe you say, Zach, my parents never did that. Nobody asked for prayer about anything. There's no way. I don't care if your parents didn't do it. You can start. You can be the one. This is something that should be happening in our families. What if husbands and wives begin to go to each other, confessing sin, confessing struggles? Would you pray for me about this? Would you, would you pray about this for me? Would you pray for me? What would it look like if this message were lived out in the church, in our homes, the places we work, the places our kids go to school? What would it look like if we began to live like that? I want to close with a story. I was telling you about youth ministry earlier. When we were in youth ministry, we used to take our kids to camp uh, at Camp Eagle. And it was actually the guy I met at that conference, Cliff, that told me about Camp Eagle in Rock Springs. And we began to take our youth to Camp Eagle, and we loved it. My daughter got to go this past year uh, after hearing us talk about it for years. And Camp Eagle is a great place. Uh, it's, a, it's a wonderful camp. We loved it so much, we went back year after year. And there's all kinds of, like, fun activities. Like, they got the longest zip line in Texas. Uh, there's, like, the super swing thing. Like, you would see it Six Flags, like, goes over the highway, the big swing. There's rock climbing and kayaking and... Uh, man, there's all kinds of cool, fun stuff. But the most impactful activity that I got to see the kids be a part of was one that took the least amount of setup, and it wasn't fancy at all. It wasn't something you put on your, like, postcard you mail out, hey, come to Camp Eagle for this thing. It was, just needed one blindfold, and they'd set up kind of a, a maze with some uh, kind of out in the woods. And they blindfolded the kids, and they, they had them step over this rope to go through this maze. And the kids began to make their way through the maze. And the counselors would tell them every few minutes, hey, if you need help, raise your hand. 
If you need help, raise your hand. If you need help, raise your hand. And some kids, after just a couple of minutes, I mean, they'd be in there two, three minutes, they'd bump into a tree or something, and they'd, they'd raise their hand. And whenever you would raise your hand, you would stop. A counselor would come over to you, tell you to take your blindfold off, and what you would see is there was no way out of the maze unless you asked for help so you could step over the rope and leave. If you stayed in there without help, you were not going to get out. There was no end. And so most kids are bailing out five, ten minutes in. But one girl, Tori Miller, who's graduating from West Texas A&M this year, she led her team to a Division II national championship in volleyball last year. They returned to the national championship this year where they lost in the finals. She's been a three-time All-American in volleyball, incredible athlete, mentally tough, super sharp girl. She's about 15 years old going through this maze. And again, most kids had asked for help five, ten minutes in. Forty-five minutes into this, Tori is still in the maze, and she can't find her way out. And the counselors are still just going, hey, if you need help, raise your hand. If you need help, raise your hand. And finally, after 45 minutes, Tori stops. She takes off her blindfold, and the counselor tells her, step outside of the maze. There was no way out unless you asked for help. Tori ran over to me, and she's just bawling because she realizes what she was trying to do. She realizes, the like, this is who she is. She's tried to do things on her own. She's not asked for help. She's been expected to do things on her own her whole life. And she met Jesus that day. She saw the help that she needed. Center Church, let us be people. That when we need help, let's raise our hand. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, God, Lord, we love you. God, we are thankful for your word. Lord, it is encouraging to us. We see that someone like Paul, the greatest missionary the world has ever known, regularly asked for help, regularly asked for prayer. Lord, would this word be an example to us? God, would we determine today that we're not going to be people that try to stick it out on our own, that we are not going to be people, Lord, who are full of pride. Lord, where we've been full of pride, would you you convict us of that? God, for those of us here like me who suffer uh, with people-pleasing, we worry so much, Lord, about what other people are going to think about us. Lord, would you kill that in us? Lord, would you direct our hearts to your love, to the steadfastness of Christ, as we determine that we're just not going to live afraid of people's opinions of us anymore. Lord, for those of us in here who may doubt your care for us, doubt your power, worry that you've got bigger fish to fry, other people have bigger problems, God, would you help us to see that your love for us is, is collective, it's a it's group, it's for the church, but it's also for the individual. It is for each one of us today, Lord. God, would you help this church, would you help me, Lord, to become the kind of person through, through faith in Jesus, empowered by your Holy Spirit, to be someone who shares our burdens with others, invites others to pray for us, 
Lord, would you work that out for our good and for your glory? We ask this in Jesus' name. Amen.